And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo. Welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the Lakers defeated the Minnesota Timberwolves 112-104 on Tuesday night without Anthony Davis. The first of what looks like will be nine games without AD uh, through the All-Star break. And for those who have not heard somehow, Anthony Davis has a sore right calf, uh, an injury that he sustained in the Denver game on Sunday. Uh, so he he will be reevaluated uh, upon arrival back in LA on Tuesday night. So, you know, most likely Wednesday morning sometime, but he is reportedly out through the All-Star break, which would take him out until at least March 11th. And that would give him about a month to rest and recover. So without AD, we talked about it a little bit last episode of, of what that might look like. And this was it. What's interesting is the, the Lakers moved to five and one w- without Anthony Davis. They're 22 and seven overall, 13 and three on the road, but five and one without AD. And if you look at the the teams that they've beaten, it's the now the Timberwolves twice, the Bulls, the Pistons, and the Thunder twice. So four of the worst teams in the NBA and teams that this Lakers team should be beating without Anthony Davis. But Thursday's game against the Brooklyn Nets provides the first true test of you know how do the Lakers match up with another elite team without Anthony Davis. Now, we don't know if Kevin Durant's playing in that game. We don't know if Kyrie Irving's playing in that game. So that matchup could look a lot different and it could end up being sort of a, a LeBron versus, versus James Harden type deal. But I think projecting out it's difficult to take away much from this game just because of the opponent, but I think there were several things to be encouraged by. So we'll start with LeBron, of course, 30 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists, 13 of 20 shooting, another just great LeBron game. 38 minutes is a little high, also had five turnovers. So his usage was very up in this game. But when you're looking at, you know, 20 shots, four free throws, you know, seven assists, five turnovers, like he was very involved in the offense as he normally is, but, but even more so with that AD. That 38 minute, Mark is a little high. You know, I, I think with LeBron, even without AD, that shouldn't really be going ab- above 35 unless the Lakers are going to overtime. Especially against the Timberwolves, LeBron just shouldn't be playing that much. Now, I, I know he had to. The Lakers really wanted to win this game, you know, especially with the difficult stretch coming up. They couldn't really afford to lose this game. But I think they really got to be careful with LeBron's minutes, uh, you know, with, with the workload he's had recently. Cal Kuzma started in Anthony Davis's place, had seven points and four rebounds in 26 minutes. Pretty quiet night. Uh, Kuz was actually averaging 15 points and almost seven rebounds in the games that Anthony Davis didn't play in uh, up to this point in the season. So, you know, wasn't bad, just kind of was, you know, had a block, had an assist. Like he did some Kuzma things that we've become accustomed to, but just, you know, didn't have the the type of impact that I think people were anticipating. Uh, Marcus Soule, you know, one one of the, the standout guys of the night, 11 points, three three pointers, five rebounds, a couple blocks. Had the, the Marcus Soul plays where he got blown by to the rim, but I think what was much more aggressive offensively, you, you see how he's more involved in the offense without AD. And, uh, you know, when, when Marcus hitting his threes, um, you know, it allows the Lakers to play a five out system that really makes them dangerous. And that opens up passing lanes and driving lanes and, and, you know, allows guys to get to the rim. So 
you know, really impressive performance from Mark. And also, you know, notable that his you know, previous best game of the season happened against the Timberwolves in the third game of the season uh, at Staples Center, where he almost had a, a triple-double. And, you know, once again, played really well against Minnesota. So it will be interesting to see how he, he's, you know, holds up against some of the better teams that the Lakers are going to be facing uh, w- without AD coming up. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, another good game, 24 points, 9 to 15 shooting. Um, you know, looking at him and Trez as really the two guys who, who stepped up offensively and, and shouldered more of a burden, um, you know, without AD. He also had had five turnovers and, and you know, five turnovers compared with three assists isn't great. Uh, and, and with Dennis, you know, I, I think there's been some times where I've been a little disappointed with the the decision making, the playmaking, and, and just some of the silly and sloppy turnovers. But 24 points on 15 shots, six of eight free throw shooting. Like he was getting downhill, he, he was finishing, he was drawing fouls. So you got to give Dennis his props. KCP continues to struggle, seven points, three of 11 shooting, one of five from deep. We'll get to him in a, in a second once I get into the Q&A portion. But really want to highlight the bench. The bench was the story of this game. If you look at the plus minus, you had Alex Crusoe, of course, leading the team in plus minus at plus 14. But you also had Montrez Harrell, plus 13. Wes Matthews, plus nine. Markeith Morris, plus six. All four of those figures were higher than any of the starters. THC was a minus eight in six minutes. It was a little bit disappointing there. But, you know, AC came in, played his defense, had three assists, a steal, a block, just did Alex Crusoe things. Uh, Wes Matthews also, you know, didn't do much offensively, but just was solid. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, continues to kind of look more comfortable and, and find his groove with, with the team. And then the, the two bigs, uh, Montrez Harrell, 17.6 rebounds a steal, a block, 17 points on seven shots, you know, and was seven to seven from the free throw line, which is encouraging. And I thought Trez looked really good. And again, it's it's a lottery team. Trez, you know, historically looks really good against lottery teams. So you got to have that kind of expectation built in there, but he looked good. And Markeith Morris, nine points, hit three threes. You know, he and Mark combined for six of the Lakers' 11 threes. That was encouraging. And, you know, Frank Vogel shouted out Keith after the game, and you know, saying that he's had to sacrifice so much and, and accept the reduced role. And that had he been in his role from last season, he, he thinks uh, Keith would have been performing at the same level. So I, I do want to say, like, I guess minutes-wise, some things I thought were interesting you know, Mark played 30 minutes. Trez only played 18. I think that'll be closer to 24, 24, if not like 22 for Mark and 26 for Trez. But it really just depends on the matchup. Um, you know, th- this was a good matchup for Mark. He, he matches up, you know, re- reasonably well with Carl Anthony Towns. That was nice to see Mark play a season high in minutes and, and really perform with what I think was probably his second best game of the season after that first Minnesota game. The starters ended up all playing more. You know, LeBron played more. Uh, Dennis was at 32 minutes. KCP was at 31. So the bench actually didn't play as much as I was anticipating. I thought there might be multiple bench guys at 20 plus minutes. And maybe we'll see that moving forward. Like I was surprised KCP with how bad he's been playing recently and, and how you know poor he played tonight, you know, was at 31 minutes. I, I think you could see, you know, Wes Matthews instead of at 22 minutes, maybe 24, 25, or Alex at 18 minutes, maybe 20, 21, 22. THT at six minutes, maybe he's at 10. Like you could have taken away some of those KCP minutes. And, and I think that would have made it a little bit more sense. But aside from that, Lakers had a good three-point shooting night, 11 of 26, 42%. Had 18 turnovers, but had 10 in the first quarter, eight the rest of the game. So 18 is still too high, but I guess given the poor first quarter, 
18 isn't horrible. And yeah, this was one of those games again where, you know, it wasn't a great game by the Lakers. They, they really turned it on in the, in the fourth with a 15 to four run to, to put the Timberwolves away. But I think a win is a win. This is obviously a depleted team without Anthony Davis. They're still really good. They still have LeBron James that they still have depth. They, they still have guys in, in Dennis and Trez and, and Kyle and THT that can step up offensively. But, you know, of course they, they are not the same team without AD and, I think we, we saw that tonight, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to see uh, how things play out on Thursday against the Nets. But let, let's get into the open forum, the Q&A section of the podcast. Uh, there was a lot of great questions, so I, I want to try to touch on as many as I can. From Alex Yo, or you, uh, at Alex uh, underscore you for life. Why do you think THC only got six minutes today? Also, what are we going to do with this prolonged stretch of slump uh, from our... $13 million 3D shooter. So I got a lot of KCP questions. Um, I actually have some more. So I'm going to I'm gonna hold off on the KCP part of this uh, question. But THT, I think we, we've kind of seen it uh, recently in a few games where if he doesn't start the game off kind of, you know, well and, and you know, sort of uh, at the level we, we know he can play at, Frank has had a bit of a quick leash with him. Um, you know, he he's not gotten the, the same leeway that other guys in the rotation get. Um, I, I also think that with KCP playing, I, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, with Wes playing as well as he's played, you know, that is kind of eaten um, into THC's role because, you know, Alex is going to, like Dennis is going to get his minutes. Alex is going to get his minutes. We know KCP is going to get a certain amount of minutes as the, the current starter. So it, it really does come down to, you know, Wes versus THT to some respect. And I know I've talked about this, you know, multiple times this season. And I've said, personally, I don't see like the role overlap between those guys because I, I just, I view THT as more of a, you know, primary or, or secondary ball handler, a, a guy who's going to run pick and rolls, uh, attack off the weak side, get out in transition, where Wes is primarily a spot up catch and shoot guy, you know, off ball movement, um, you know, occasionally, will we'll cut or, or you know even Lakers have ran some post-ups for him randomly at times this season but like th- their offensive roles couldn't be more different in my opinion uh and then you know defensively I, I guess there are some similarities and that they're you know both wing defenders but um I think even some different strengths and weaknesses there so I don't really view them as in competition even though I guess technically they are uh but but looking at you know THT has now had two of the last three games he, he's played six minutes um, and then he had the, the one game in Denver where he, he had a pretty good game. So, you know, with, with THT, I guess it really just depends on the night, the matchup, how everybody else is playing. Uh, again, with, with LeBron playing more, Dennis playing more, KCP playing more, uh, Wes Matthews playing more, like it, it was just, I think there was a bit of a crunch in the backcourt, but I would not be surprised if THT ends up playing more against Brooklyn it is maybe back in that 12 to 15 minute range. Uh, so I, I wouldn't read too much into that, but it is clear that Wes, during that time that uh, AD and Alex were out, has assumed a larger role in the rotation, and that is a priority for Frank. So it does seem like THT is going to get squeezed a little bit, uh, again, depending on the matchup. This one is from MG at MGSALB on Twitter. Uh, Gasol will be unplayable versus the Nets, right? Against the, the actual Nets, potentially, I do think that he can hang with DeAndre Jordan. Um, and as you know, and, and depending on what the Nets do at the center spot, I think Mark can most likely hang with a traditional center. 
uh, especially a guy like DJ, because DJ is a shell of of his former self. He is no longer that all star level, you know, rim runner, roller, finisher, uh, rim protector, you know, defensive player of the year type candidate. He's no longer that guy. So I do think, you know, while maybe he'll sneak around Mark for an offensive rebound or a lob here or there, like for the most part, DeAndre isn't really going to torch or, or hurt Mark offensively. And then on the defensive end, you know, DJ is the one rim protector, you know, true big that the Nets have on that team. So Mark's presence actually, you know, as a stretch five is very valuable in bringing DeAndre out. And, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Nets try to maybe put DJ on a guy that, you know, they'd rather help off of. And and maybe that's Mark. Maybe they just help off Mark and, and let him take a bunch of open threes. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's almost a cross match at times defensively where DJ's on a guy closer to the basket and there's like a wing on Mark because I, I do think you could probably get away with a wing on Mark. Now, on the defensive side, you know, there's a chance that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving don't play or at least one of those two doesn't play, in which case... I think Mark is more playable. He actually held his own against James Harden in those two Houston games. So, you know, different personnel, different team, different situation. So it's not an apples to orange, you know, it's not an apples to apples comparison. But I think he he can do fine against James Harden and maybe against Harden and Kyrie. But once you throw in Kevin Durant, I think it does make it a very difficult matchup for Mark defensively. So, I mean, you could say that for most centers, right? Like with a few exceptions, I think that matchup could even be tough for a guy like a Rudy Gobert. Like those guys cause a lot of problems with their shooting and and scoring and, you know, movement and their ability to basically attack from anywhere on the floor. Like that causes problems for a defense. So I do think for Mark, yes, you know, specifically him, it is going to be difficult. But I don't think he's unplayable. I think unplayable is strong. I think that maybe it's a matchup he doesn't close. Maybe it's a matchup he doesn't play more than like 16, 18 minutes. But I think come finals time, if they're playing in the finals, yes, most likely, you know, maybe the Nets solve the center problem. They got another big and it's not the best matchup for Mark. And, you know, the Lakers are just better off going with 80 at the five. But I would say I don't think he's unplayable unless all three stars are playing, in which case he's still playable, but you just probably play him fewer minutes. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get to a couple more here. This is from DJ at DJ underscore Martinez. Is KCP's struggles largely attributed to his low confidence level or is the team unable to get him open shots that he was getting to start the season? I asked Frank Vogel about this last week, or it might have even been a week and a half at this point. That's how long KCP's been struggling. And someone else asked him about it a few days ago. And he basically said he just thinks defenses are keying in on KCP because of how good he's been shooting the ball. And you know he, he was shooting almost 60% on threes. And he's been getting a lot of open looks. He's dangerous in transition. So teams kind of view him as a spark plug for the Lakers and a guy that you really have to stop to take away a bit of the Lakers identity. And I actually agree with that. I've written and talked about how important KCP is to the identity of that team that's scrambling and rotating and, and you know, making plays defensively and then getting out and transition on the other end. He's a really good finisher in transition as both, you know, a guy who can get to the rim and finish with layups or a guy that can, you know, hit catch and shoot spot up threes. Um, so 
I think with KCP, he seems to be in his head a little bit. This is obviously my first season covering the Lakers, but I know that this has kind of been a thing with him where he has been a bit of a streaky shooter. He has gone through slumps and then he'll regress and, and go through these stretches where he's just shooting the lights out like he was to start the season. So I think this is kind of par for the course with KCP, but I think it's more so defenses adjusting and the Lakers also not prioritizing the three-point shot, which brings me to the next question from... Ta Saghen, uh, at Ta Saghen on Twitter. I probably butcher your name. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, does this offense need to create and take more threes? Yes and yes. Even against the Timberwolves, the Lakers only shot 26 threes. I've written and talked about on this podcast that I think they need to be in that 32 to 34 range. You know, I think anything under 30 is probably too low. Now, of course, there are exceptions. If you're living at the rim, if you're getting a lot of fouls, then your three-point attempts are probably going to be a little bit lower. But this team, I think, doesn't prioritize threes enough. And I had just written about this last week, and I probably should update this, but at the time, the Lakers were eighth in offensive rating. And the seven teams above them, all, for the most part, good teams, you know, a mix of contenders like the Clippers and the Bucks and the Jazz and the Celtics and, you know, a few of the teams above them, every one of those teams was averaging at least 34 three-pointers per 100 possessions, uh, three-point attempts. And the Lakers were just barely at 30. They were at 30.0. And that four-attempt gap, you know, obviously in some cases, like a team like the Jazz, the, the Nets, the Clippers, like they're, they're attempting more. That's a five to 10 attempt gap. That can swing a close game, you know? And, and the Lakers do have their advantages at the rim and at the free throw line, but some of those teams get to the free throw line a lot as well. And if the Lakers aren't, you know, decidedly winning the points in the paint battle, the, the points at the free throw line battle, they can't also lose the three point battle. So even though, you know, they take a lot of high quality threes, they shoot a high percentage, uh, you know, they, they've been in a slump recently, but overall, you know, mainly good threes, that can be problematic, I think, at the highest level against the best offenses. Uh, when those teams are taking 35, 40, even 45 three point attempts, and the Lakers are taking 24 three-pointers or 27 three-pointers or even 30 three-pointers. Um, uh, you know, like I, I think this is a trend to monitor. And, and you know, I, I think it's something that once we're at the, the all-star break, I, I want to look back at their games against the best teams, who won the three-point battle, who won that game, you know, based off of that, and and really just start to to dive into this a little bit more. Cause I, I think it's something that will be important for the Lakers long term. Uh, this one is from Jeffrey Santos uh, at Jeep Santos. Time to reevaluate the starting lineup. Any buyout candidates that we will need to take note. So nothing new on the buyout market. I, I mean, if Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin hits the buyout market, and I'm going to mention Blake Griffin because um, Anakit Mohan asked about him. Like if one of those two guys becomes available and for whatever reason he's interested in you know signing with the Lakers, you do it in a heartbeat. You always add talent and especially talent like that, where Andre Drummond, you know, I think if he was on this team would, would most likely start, um, or, or at least, you know, take the Trez role off the bench. You know, he, he is better than Trez and Blake Griffin. I, I think if he was on this team, maybe you don't start him in the regular season because that, that probably forces AD to play the five, but you could start him in the postseason depending on what shape he's in and, and how he's performing. And, um, you know, he could take that, I guess, key role and, and, and maybe some of Kuzma's minutes, maybe some of Trez's minutes and, you know, play 25, 28 minutes a night off the bench, 
you, you can kind of keep him in bubble wrap. You, you don't have to overexert him. And, um, you know, he, he would, I think, really help the second unit as a scorer and, and playmaker. So if either one of those guys comes available, of course, you know, Lakers should sign them. Otherwise, I mean, it's Dwayne Dedman. It's most likely Trevor Ariza. Like, I think either one of those guys could help them, but they're not really moving the needle for me much. Again, I'm for adding either one of those, especially if it's just the cost of, you know, Alfonso McKinney or, or Quinn Cook. But I don't know how much either one of those guys really elevates their ceiling. And then as far as the starting lineup, and I'll close with this. If you're really looking at the starting lineup, like I think LeBron, well, LeBron's a lock. Okay, I don't need to think that. I think Dennis is a lock and I think Mark is a lock because they're not going to start Trez. Otherwise, they would have been starting Trez already. And I think Dennis obviously wants to start. That's important for him. He's going to continue to start. So it's really the other two spots. Now, I, I think Kyle makes the most sense w- without AD. So I think he's going to continue to start. And so you're really asking, should KCP be starting? And, and I got another version of this question. I might have even gotten two of them. I think KCP, given his role in last season's team, being essentially the third guy in the finals and, and just kind of that playoff run, I think overall was probably the Lakers' third best player. And then the contract he signed, I do think that you don't want to risk losing him. And if he is going through a slump and it is a little bit mental, I think demoting him and him losing his starting spot, that runs the risk of losing him and, you know, him not taking it necessarily as well as like Wes or, or Keefe did. And I do think in the big picture, if KCP has another five games like this, another 10 games like this, I do think it's it's time to have that conversation of, okay, we're now over half the season of, of him really struggling. And is it smart to keep him in the starting lineup? But I don't think it's reached that point yet. I think it's headed in that direction. But, you know, I, I do think he is I think he's going to turn it around at some point. I don't know if he's going to get back to 57% three-point shooting. Like, I highly doubt that. But I do think KCP is a productive player, a valuable player, uh, you know, has had some really good moments this year, especially, again, that Houston OKC run when he came back from injury. I think he really showed his value to the Lakers then. So I, I'm not giving up on KCP yet. I get the frustration. I get the concern. I do think it's something to monitor. But I, I'm not. I'm not ready to pull the plug yet. I think if you do pull the plug... You look at Wes, you look at Alex. I think it's it's one of those two, uh, you know, j- just to preserve some of the shooting. Like I could see THT having a case as well, but I think that the shooting is a concern uh, for, for him, uh, you know, and, and maybe even Al- like maybe you just go with Wes because Alex, I think, is better, you know, probably suited off the bench um, unless maybe he was replacing like Dennis. But I don't I don't love the Alex Dennis starting together i think you want a little bit more size in your backcourt so i guess it would be wes which i'm not opposed to you know i think if you look at when ad returns having a bench lineup of trez you know kuz kcp alex and tht like that that is a i really like that bench lineup and then having a starting group of uh mark and, and ad and lebron and wes and, and dennis like that makes sense to me uh so Again, I'm, I'm not saying I'm opposed to it. I think it's a little premature, but we're getting there. And again, if we're having this conversation a week from now, two weeks from now, then I think I'll, I'll probably be changing my tune. But that's it for tonight's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this uh, on The Athletic. If you've not subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so by going to theathletic.com or subscribing off of one of my stories. That would help me out. Uh, Also be sure to rate and review this podcast. And thank you guys for listening. I'll be back 
post game on Thursday after a potential finals preview with the Brooklyn Nets. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code The Athletic. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.